And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, it, here we are. You know, a, a lot of people thought that this matchup was going to happen as part of the AFC championship game. Uh, but we find ourselves in the divisional round. And... You know, coming off of Buffalo's performance, coming off of the Chiefs' performance, I, I mean, there's no other way to get into this one, Stevie D. Uh, we had to go to the barbershop. We had to locate a gentleman who is diehard Chiefs' kingdom, who is uh, someone that wears the red and yellow, uh, none other than uh, Sean Barber, who... <laughs> Seems to be MIA after that intro. <laughs> so we'll for sure to get back. But uh, yes, CBD, we we had uh, we had quite a week. Um, you know, you had we even had a Monday night game, which I do have a question before we get really into it. We had a week for the playoffs. How do you have a game on Monday? That gives you the short week going. It's I, the playoffs. I, I I don't know. That is. Oh, look at this that is, Nazi. That is bizarre. It, that it, is bizarre. It, oh, hold on. Hold on. You, you know, when you have to bring props, when you have to bring props into the show, you, you, you know you're worried, right? I, I see that Marcus Allen jersey. I, I've had my story about Marcus Allen. But while you while you hold up that jersey, and I'll I'll wait till you can hear us here. Are you having problems over there? Make sure I take care. Are you having problems over there? So now let's get now now let's get the business. Let let, let me ask I you. That, I see that three two hanging up on your wall. Oh, 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 oh. I did not ring the bell, gentlemen. I did not ring the bell yet. The first round has not started. Please go back to your corners and let's let's get the show off on the right foot here. All right. So I just have I just have a question. When was Marcus Allen's last playoff game? Oh, about the same time the Bills won one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that was 1994. Was that his last playoff game? When was the last time the Bills had won a playoff game? Let me think. Last week. <laughs> oh, that, that, that must have been a trick question. <laughs> I, 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 see, I see what happens out there in Kansas City. I mean, <laughs> just eating all that corn and hay and all the tumbleweeds rolling through. <laughs> Uh, when was the last time the Bills said the sky was blue? Hey man, listen, when you when you when you're aiming for excellence, you don't consider wild card weekend a real playoff. We played well, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You you might think that was a playoff team. What why why are you taking a, a phrase from the rival of yours of the now Las Vegas Raiders talking about excellence? Come on now. You're better than that, Sean. Come on. I, I, I expect more. You know, we've raised that bar high. And look at Steve just turning red. <laughs> it's the poor lighting I got going on here. One minute I'm white, next minute I'm red. Stevie D, you, you've just gone beat red. <laughs> I don't know if this is hey, cheap red or blue red. I don't know what it is. Hey, there's Terry. Oh, you got it right. 
Hey, Chiefs Jerry. Red. You know it's Chiefs Red. Oh, and you get redder and redder by the moment. <laughs> Look, I'm going to disqualify you both in this contest if you keep making fun of the referee's red face. So, well, you know, all I have to say is just a, just a question. I, I just have a question for you, Sean. Um, you, you, you follow the Chiefs, and – and uh, Pat Mahomes is is a great quarterback, right? I think you can agree to that. Fair statement. Is that what the question was? No, I, I, mean, I just want to make. I just want to make sure that I, I want to level want to level set. Make sure that we're all on the same page. Yes. Okay. So, with that being the yes. case, when, when's the last time Pat Mahomes? And I'm glad you said that. So when's the last time Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs had a perfect offensive game? Yeah, that would be never. Perfect offensive game. That's right. I haven't seen one. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen a perfect offense. Then you didn't watch the Bills game against the vaunted Bill Belichick defense. The perfect offensive game. Vaunted. Vaunted. No interceptions. No fumbles. We all know that. We all know no that. penalties. Belichick, Pittsburgh, uh, uh, New England's defense is a shell of it what it was when it was in glory. It's not sure. It's sure. Top five defense still a shell of itself. Top five. You, 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 yeah. I think the Buffalo Bills got, a, got number one defense, right? Y'all got they, number one defense, right? They, they do. They do. And, and as we talk about. Uh, Josh Allen, and, and you know you want to throw digs at Josh Allen. Just look at that box score. Let look at how that's going to Canton because of the performance that they put on the field last week. It doesn't. It doesn't give you a free pass to the Super Bowl. Your perfect game. It, 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 it still, really it doesn't. Comes through. It still comes through Arrowhead. You might have missed that. You it it does. That. You got to punch your ticket. It got to stop here. And we, we did that, we did that for, uh, for a purpose, right? Because what happened last year, you know, really left a bad taste in our mouths. You know, we had all of our wide receivers, not one, not two, not three, not four, all of our receivers were playing with broken legs, were playing with a, a pulled hamstring, playing with a pulled abdominal muscle, and they still went out there and kept it competitive. Now everybody's healthy. And we don't want to hear anything coming from, what is it, Chief Kingdom? The Chief Queendom? Is that what it is? We don't, we don't want to hear anything over there. Are, are you okay? I want to make sure you're not having a seizure because, Stevie D, I need you to call 911 the, the way he's reacting over there. You I know, mean, so. I'm playing, that, I'm playing that violin. I'm playing that, that, that song. You, you, got that, you got that pity song. You, you, you playing shout over there? You shout so healthy. My, what something else won't write. The off the OC wasn't ready. Oh 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 no! Please please understand. But you, you you didn't follow me all the way through. I I I gave you your props. I said you won that game. Again, we we were a depleted team, but we came to play. We came to play, and we saw and we knew exactly what we wanted. We wanted to avenge what took place last year. That's okay, Stevie D. You're awfully quiet. You know, I don't. You know, when your team is got a golf reservations for the next six months, um, it, it's hard to chime in when you got two teams fighting in a playoff game. So, you know, my word really doesn't count. 
uh, have any credibility right now? Sure, sure it does. Sure it does. So I am actually just enjoying the the banter back and forth between you two. I just want to know when we're going to get serious and, and start breaking this game down. Oh, we can start off with uh, which one to start off with? The Chiefs defense, Chiefs offense, Chiefs special teams. I, I'm still trying to figure out which one of those three the Buffalo Bills got the advantage in, but I know that you're talking about the rankings, that number one defense, you got ranked number one defense. Is Stevie D, did, did, did I hear what I think I heard? That you have the number one ranked defense? No. That he's trying to figure out which one that the Bills have a better one than. Did, did I hear that clearly? Yeah. The kicking game. Oh, you you confident? You confident about your kicking game right now? Just tell me, you confident about the kicking kicking game? Sean, didn't you just hear me? We had the perfect game. I don't need to worry about my kickers. You worry about Harrison Buckner. I'm worrying about the. In the end zone, what are we gonna do? We gonna jump in the sands? We gonna open a beer like Stefan Diggs a couple weeks ago? Take a beer from a fan and start drinking it there? We gonna eat some popcorn? We hiding a cell phone over by the goalpost? Are we pulling sharpies out? Are we proposing all of the famous celebrations? Are we bringing those back? All right, all right. I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to bring this one in. I'm gonna have to bring this one in. Steve, what you think about the perfect game? Can you miss extra points and get the perfect game? You can miss extra points. And that's that's a perfect. You, you missed an, an extra point blocked, and, and he missed an extra point. But yet, yes, they were all touchdowns. It's all touchdowns. I think the offensive grade, the special teams grade, did not get a perfect grade. But I there think is, is if I'm going to play in the middle, I, I think his he's talking just about his offensive unit, where they had no no turnovers and no punts. And they scored touchdowns on every possession of the game, which I think I heard was a first in NFL history to do, at least in the playoffs anyway. Uh, well, I would see your no punt, no turnover game with a five touchdown and 10 minute uh, barrage of points put on by one Pat Mahomes, which is 10 minutes faster than the second, the, the 20 minutes it took Ben Roethlisberger to do it. Well, here's what I'll say because now I got to play in immediate because I thought you know Patrick Mahomes you know 30 or 39 for a little over five 400 yards five touchdowns and a pick had a very good game but I'll tell you it was very scary that first quarter plus where we're like what am I watching out here and then all of a sudden the turnover happened uh, return for a touchdown and it like woke up Kansas City and then you know the rest was history and then in like three and a half minutes they put up 28 points or whatever it was so. Sometimes when you ride in the boat and you don't realize Jesus is over there taking a nap and the storm starts to get a little rocky, you start to worry because you have lack of faith. But those with faith was, was, was getting some no-do right beside Jesus. They understood. I got faith. So, no, unfortunately, that first quarter did not. Uh, all right. Rock. All right. I, I, I do have to say that is completely unfair and out of scope. You are not allowed to bring religion to the OW Sports Podcast. Oh, because you have no faith in your team. That, 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 the last that, time I was on this podcast, cannot happen. You, wanted to, you wanted the coach fired. You wanted the GM gone. You told me the quarterbacks. You 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 had it out for everybody in the in the building. Not not the players, just just the coach. That's right. Okay. I have that, lost. 
total ability to run this podcast. Today. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Let, let's give Sean a timeout. I'll take a timeout. Stevie D, go ahead. <laughs> you weren't ready for that one. <laughs> so, no, it, really what I what I want. Oh, I got the stage all to myself. All right. Now, in, in all seriousness, this is going to be an epic battle. I'm really excited to see it. Really what I want to hear from Sean and from Vince, I want to know what your guys' five takeaways what are the five takeaways in order for the Kansas City Chiefs to win, Sean? What are the five keys for the Kansas City Chiefs and for Vince, for you to come into Arrowhead? In all seriousness, what are your five keys to to for seeing Buffalo uh, moving on to the next round? That's what I want to know, right? All so, right. Sean, at, at the barber shop, we'll, we'll let you lead off and, and talk about your five keys. Five keys. First of all, we have to limit the turnovers. That's something at the beginning of the season that cost us a couple of. Uh, wins early in the season. Obviously, the second half of the season, the Chiefs have cleaned that up. Um, secondly, uh, penalties. Penalties has been something that's kind of caused some hiccups and some drives. Obviously, kept us from some of those perfect games like the Bills have uh, uh, ex- ex- experienced last week. Um, some holding calls, uh, some false starts. You know, you don't ever want to start behind the chains with the first and 15 or first and 20. Um, so as long as we can clean those things up, stay clean, which we, we've been doing, uh, those are, are sometimes stalling drives. Third is for the defense just to be aware, hey, man, there's no tomorrow for this guy. He's going to run the ball. We know we got quarterback sweep, quarterback keep. Any, as many ways you can find a, a way to uh, run the ball with the quarterback, we got to be ready for that. And we got to be ready to hit him early and often. Uh, make the OC think about that play sheet. Uh, after he called that first quarterback counter, that first quarterback sweep, um, I expect to see a couple of safeties linebackers uh, running down that alley and having uh, Odebo up in that box looking at that play sheet. Say, hey, man, if we want to keep this franchise quarterback a part of this franchise, I got I got to stop calling these quarterback runs. These guys out here hitting. They're hitting for real. Uh, four is for our defense uh, to create a turnover. Um, we got to make we got to make them turn over the balls. We got to pressure and um, speed up uh, Josh Allen's count when he's back there and he's able to survey the entire field. Uh, he has a tremendous arm, can make throws to all six zones, make you pay for it. Um, and then fifth, uh, when we're up at halftime and we're up by double digits, we got to go into halftime and make some adjustments. Um, we know we got to play four quarters. Hmm. Interesting. As the referee, uh, all as the referee. I said interesting. Okay, well, I wasn't sure what you're going to do there. What are the five keys for the Buffalo Bills to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs? And, and, and it's a great question. And first and foremost, it starts on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I need that defensive line to own the trenches, to own that, to own the line of scrimmage. If we can get the push early, especially from the interior, starting from Harrison Phillips and Ed Oliver being able to push that pocket and allow uh, the ends, whether it be Addison, Hughes, Rousseau, Basham, it allow the ends to be able to uh, create enough direct pressure going to Mahomes. If we look at the first time we played them early in the year, I think it was week five, week six, they had enough pressure. They were able to limit Mahomes and his average uh, yards per pass to five yards, and they were able to get two turnovers from Mahomes. But that all starts up front. 
and if we go to the other side of the ball, it's going to be the offensive line. And we've seen a lot of changes from the Buffalo Bills, especially you know, with some of the reshuffling of the offensive line. And I think they found the, the right mix, right? I think that, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's addition by subtraction. We had uh, John Feliciano in there, and we thought that he was going to be the guy. But, you know, taking him out of the lineup, reshuffling, putting guys in the right spot, we started to see the continuity that you're looking for up front. And, and that continuity has led to uh, Josh Allen staying upright in the pocket, it's created the holes for Josh Allen on the design runs. And it also has improved the running game, right? Something that the Bills really were lacking for at least three quarters of the season was a consistent running game from either Singletary, Moss, and even Matt Breida. So if we can win the win the battle up front, that 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 that's key. Uh, if I look to the next one. Again, I'm not going to the offensive side of the ball yet. I'm staying back on the defensive side of the ball. You know, when I start to look at that back seven, right, I love the safeties, love uh, what Micah Hyde and and Jordan Poyer have done back there. Obviously, Tredavious White, who was in the first game, uh, is not playing. And so uh, it's going to be the play of the outside corners, right? Uh, Buffalo plays a, a lot of nickel. Right, they're they're ninety five percent nickel, and that that's their base defense, um, and and they play a lot of cover too, right? So they don't get beat over the top. Uh, but what's going to happen is if you're worried about Tariq Hill taking it over the top, then you're going to have to rely on good support for Kelsey. Not as much worried about uh, Hardman or or Pringle that they have there, uh, but really worried about what Kelsey can do. He's he's been a bill killer for. Uh, the last couple times that we've played him, but if you can kind of control him and keep him in check, the rest of the rest of the chips will follow, and so that there's going to be a lot of pressure uh, on Matt Milano as well in coverage there. Uh, the next one that is really important as a key is going to be penalties. Again, when we played the Chiefs early on in the year, and this is one of the things that I had against Sean McDermott was the lack of control. Uh, and the discipline by the team. A lot of unnecessary, unforced penalties, a lot of pre-snap penalties, right? I, I'm almost content with a holding call, right, post-snap, because it, it's a it's an effort penalty. Pre-snap is a mental penalty, right? You, you get guys that are jumping off sides, and, and we're going to play on the road. We know it's loud there. They have their pseudo – uh, loudest stadium award or whatever, right? It goes back between them and, and Seattle. But, you know, in, in all seriousness, uh, you, you have to be very disciplined, right? And, you know, it, 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 to have guys have a pre-snap penalty, that takes you from that first and 10 to that first and 15. That takes you from that second and four back to second and nine, right? Those are penalties that are drive killers, and, and you have to stay away from that. Uh, when I when I look at the the fourth thing, and this is where we start to get offensive. I talked about the offensive line, but really establishing that run game, right? Being able to get Singletary, and he doesn't have to go crazy. I'm not talking about Singletary running for 120, 140. Yeah, yeah. I my my referee. What are you what are you doing? You you, you know what? You, you, you know it, so, it's one of the, I I so. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to settle that. 
Oh, go ahead, Mr. Coles. Uh, you're on uh, number four. Thank I you. Apologies for the disruption. So then it, it's established in the run game. In the run game, uh, again, I'm not looking for Singletary to push for, you know, 100-plus yards. I, I'm, I'm not looking for that. What I am looking for is consistency because that level of consistency will lend itself to uh, forcing – the Chiefs to be a little bit more base, right? Where not only are they worried about Josh running, now they're worried about uh, the running backs being able to get three, four, five yards a pop, and that opens up the passing game, right? And then last but not least, uh, what I'm looking at for success is the hunger and the desire, right? We all saw the pitcher and it made its way last year, it made its way of Stefan Diggs standing out at the AFC Championship game while the confetti was being blasted onto the field, while the podium was being set up, and while the Kansas City Chiefs were over there celebrating, knowing that they were headed to back-to-back -to -back exhibition bowl games, right? And just to watch Diggs and that that just, I mean, that that's one of those pitchers that, really would uh, win an award, uh, if you will, when you see that, just because it just showed one man who was looking out there. And what it didn't show was after that, Sean McDermott coming out to get one of his star players uh, and to bring him back. You know, And the talk that they had, which we don't know what was said, but I'm sure it was something to the extent of bottle this up, let's remember this, this team is coming back. And for everybody to have that hunger, to have that desire and that fight, uh, you know, I think those are some of the keys. There's so many more, right, that are out there. But if you looked at the at the five, you know, and certainly, you know, Sean and I, are, you know, have some that are the same. Uh, but the biggest one, and I will, I will say this on, on, for both, is that I need, and it's a key, I need the officiating to be the way that it's supposed to be, right? I don't want the officials to become a part of the game. I don't need them to be a footnote in the game. I need you to be out there to do your job. Let both teams play. If something happens that's egregious or is a foul, obviously call it, right? But don't sit there and just throw flags haphazardly. Don't sit there and try to make yourself uh, a third member in this game. This game is between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, not the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the officials. Stay out of the game, let both teams play, and, and we'll have a good game. And, I mean, I give credit to the Chiefs, right? I really do. They had a good season. They started slow. Uh, there were a lot of questions early on with the Chiefs, with Mahomes, with the defense, and everything else. And they were able to flip that switch. They turned it around, especially getting uh, Melvin Ingram. Right, big big benefit to that defense. So I give them credit, right? You know, and they and they played in a tough conference, right? You had you had very competitive games there, and so uh, I'm glad that they're at their best because uh, when you want to be the best, you want to beat the best, right? I don't want to go into a game and then walk away with the victory, and you know, it's almost like a paper champion, right? I want I want them to be at their best, and and I think that they're they're hitting on all cylinders. Well, very well said. You know, I don't have five keys on e each side, but, you know, you hit on a couple of things that, one, I think Josh Allen's legs is a very big part uh, for the Buffalo Bills. And I think that uh, if 
if uh, he's able to ha- have explosive plays with his legs, I think the Chiefs are in for a long day from a defensive standpoint, right? Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid's offense has kind of evolved in the second half of the year with teams taking away the deep threat um, and, and that underneath stuff with Tyreek Hill. Um, and then, and then, Chelsea, I mean, Kelsey, this guy's unbelievable, just finding soft spots and zones and, and turning into big plays. I mean, just watching him last week against the Steelers was ridiculous um, with those big plays he had and, and then using that big body to break the tackles and turn something into a 25-yard gain into a 55-yard gain. So, you know, that's another key for me um, for, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I think there's one thing the Buffalo Bills – um, when they played in the first time, if I'm not mistaken, they put up 37 points in that first game. I think they won 37 to 20. I think was the final. 38. Yep. 38 to 20. And and but now the Kansas City Chiefs, right? They, I, you mentioned it, Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram is such a big piece of that of this defense going forward, and and allowed Chris Jones to go back in the middle. It's kind of reset that defense, re-energized that defense, and and they're a, they're a different defensive squad. If you would have told me. You know, before Melvin Ingram in this matchup, I probably would have said Buffalo Bills all day, every day with, with a romp. But the way the Kansas City Chiefs defense is now playing, um, I still think the Kansas City Chiefs are a better – I can't see – I still think the Buffalo Bills are a better team. They were my pick in the preseason um, to go to the Super Bowl. And, and it's just hard for teams to go, you know, three three years in a row to a Super Bowl, right? Only one team, right, only one team in history, and they, they went to four. Right with Buffalo, it's hard to do, and I, I think the the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I, I gave you credit for four four AFC championships. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot by four heartbreaks, but you know, hey, you got there. Right? Four rings, baby, from the AFC. Four Lamar Hunt rings, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah. But in all seriousness, I, I yeah, I. I, I personally, to wrap this piece up here, is really I, I have my prediction. I have the, the Buffalo Bills winning this football game. I have to ride or die with the Buffalo Bills. I, I did pick them in the, in, the, in the preseason. But I'm not sleeping on the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this is going to be a fun game. I think there's going to be a lot of points being scored in this game. Um, do not walk away from the TV to go get that drink. Make sure you put that cooler by your, your recliner. If you're watching it at home, do not leave. If you have to pee, get a bag or something. Do not leave that TV. If you do, you better get back in that chair in two and a half minutes because what's great about both teams, they can score in a heartbeat. And that's what makes it fun to watch the track meet up and down the field and, and watching them go, you know, go 80 plus yards in four plays in, in a minute and a half. And and, and that's what I, excites me about this game. But uh, And to that, what I really liked about the, the New England game, Stevie D, when you look at the drive summary, it, it was not the, the two or three play 45 yards. It wasn't the two or three play 90 yards where you, you hit somebody deep. It, it was the methodical 10, 9, 10 uh, play drives that, that covered the 80, 75, 80 yards. So it showed the mix of run pass. It showed some big hits. It also showed a little bit of grinding it out. Um, and, and I think that's what you're going to see a, a lot of from Buffalo. Um, you know, there, maybe there will be a shot open, right? Uh, but I think for the most part, they're going to try to methodically follow that game plan and, you know, pick up the chunks when, when they're there. Uh, they're going to take what is given to them. 
They're not going to try to exploit or try to force their way into certain situations. Now, obviously, you know, the score is going to dictate what you do. And, you know, if I could have a six point, it's key. And it's really key for both teams. You got to have a fast start. Now, obviously, Kansas City, uh, they had a very slow start, a very dull first quarter with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? And then all of a sudden flipped the switch. But the Buffalo Bills aren't the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? The Buffalo Bills, Ben Roethlisberger is not Josh Allen. Everybody wants to compare the two. Well, Ben Ben is is a senior citizen. Well, right? I think everybody going into this game, in fairness, knows what the Buffalo Bills are, right? They're a, a solid, solid football team, right? One through 53, they are a solid football team. I don't think anybody will say the Buffalo Bills are anything like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, you, you already put that butt whipping on there this year, right, 38 to 20. So I don't think anybody in the Kansas City market looks at the Buffalo Bills and say, well, this is going to be an easy game. I think a lot of people yeah, in Kansas that, City work. And right there, that, that, that guy. Well, I mean, he, 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 he's Mr. Kansas City Chief, right? So, you know, of course you're going to breed confidence. But I, I think in the heart of hearts, the, the fans, they know what they're going up against. And and, and it's going to be a tough fourth game. I, honestly, this is – I wish this was the AFC Championship game uh, because I, I just think these are the, the teams that you want in an AFC Championship. It just didn't line up with the seating. Um, I just don't like Tennessee. Uh as the number one seed. I don't think anybody likes Tennessee as, as, as the one seed. It's just a shame that this is being played this weekend and not in the AFC Championship game. And I bet you uh, the NFL would rather have Buffalo, Kansas City on Sunday, on Championship Sunday playing, and not not uh, divisional round. That's for sure. Hey. I, I, I'm not going to knock the Tennessee Titans because that's the one team to beat both of us, right? So, But we both lost. <laughs> <laughs> You just beat the Titans. So the just gotta put that out there. That's, that's something that just can, can can hold over our heads is that they beat the team that we both lost to. But the one thing I, I can say is, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills, I think you have been consistent throughout the season. Um, weeks 11, 12, 13, 14, you got a rough patch right in the middle, um, but you, 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 re, you refound your, your way. Your GPS was lost three out of four games. Tom, Tom. What do you say? Tom Tom. And damn Tom Tom. <laughs> this this might have almost torn down his OJ Simpson uh 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 jersey at that point in time. I think he was pretty much uh ready to jump off the ship, but he didn't. He stayed on, stayed on course. He knew his team had what it took. So, what? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh they, they, there's no Dallas Cowboy up in here. <laughs> I, I believe Bill's Mafia, red, white, and blue. All day. Dallas. All day. Who said Dallas? I'm just saying I don't jump ship like the Cowboys oh, okay. burning jerseys, throwing stuff away. Oh no, oh no. Even oh, after even after Jacksonville. See, hey, see, Sean, how do I explain this? As the Jacksonville, the Jacksonville loss gotta hurt. It does. It's it does, right? There's two Jacksonville and the Tennessee. But you you have to understand as a Bills fan. And, and the Jets beat both of those teams, by the way. As, as a Bills fan, and, and this is so true, let me give you a, a really quick story. So Bills-Buccaneers game, right? I go to the game. I'm hanging out with some people I don't even know. They happen to be from Buffalo, right? Matter of fact, one of the guys went to my high school. Crazy. crazy. But anyway, yeah, I didn't tell you, even tell you all that. But anyway, so we're all sitting there, and – we all have the same Bills Mafia mentality. Okay. In that first half, 
was absolutely abysmal. And you could see it in all of us, just hand to head, right? Just shaking your head. One guy had double hands to head, right? It, it's just who we are, right? And we live for that. We, we know what it is. But we also know that we wait for that one play. And that's what we had in that game. It didn't happen until the third, late in the third quarter. And you could see it start to come back. That passion started to blow, to come out and explode. And it was there all the way through, all the way through, even through the, the failed pass interference call on Diggs in the quarter of the end zone with 20 seconds to go. But yet we can't. But what I'm saying with it, you, what I'm saying with it, you could see the passion that we have. We don't jump off the ship. We are ride or die. And forever will be ride or die. So, yes, we had a rough stretch. We lost games that we should not have lost. But I can tell you to a man or woman of, of Bill's Mafia, well, actually there's four, but I can tell to, to a man or woman of Bill's Mafia that we are all ride or die. Never will happen. Well, I, I mean, when you look at the season, there are some losses that's going to come. It, that's right, Gerald. Ride or die, Bill's right. Mafia. When, when you lose the when you lose the teams like the Cincinnati Bengals, when you lose the uh, teams, uh, the Chargers, you know some consider them better than the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Going, you know they missed the playoffs. Losing to the Steelers at the beginning of the season, a team that obviously, I mean, you can claim that you're better than the Steelers, but I guess they would say differently. Um, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I know every given Sunday, every 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 Betty has their day. Losing to the Colts, um, I, I would say the loss to the Colts. Coming in here, I feel some shade coming in here. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I, I feel like all of those were games where you felt like you were the better team, and so guys just didn't feel like they needed to play their their ultimate level in order to beat this team. That, that these were teams that we we, we know were better than. I would agree with that. And we talked about this DVD uh, on last show or the one. I would agree with that, Sean. I, I don't – and, Sean, you, you can better answer this, right, being a player in the league. They always talk about the switch, right, flipping the switch. We used to hear that all the time with the Lakers, right, going to a different sport, being able to flip that switch, right, kind of coasting through, have some bumps in, in along the way, and then all of a sudden flip the switch, and you're playing at the highest level. Uh, is the switch real, or is that just an outside observation? I, I definitely think the switch is real. I think the switch is something where every player has the ability to do it, and unfortunately on defense, all 11 guys got to have a switch on. Because if one cornerback or one safety don't cut the switch on, we saw it, the Chiefs saw it early in the season. There was times where, where teams over and over again kept targeting uh, Dan Sorensen. They, they targeted him over and over again, and we did not make any adjustments to find him any way to help, had him covering back halves. Whatever the reason was, you could say his switch didn't get cut on. We could have 10 other guys get, being in the right place, but somehow, some way, offenses kept finding who is he responsible for and then using that uh, as an advantage to score points in very big situations. So I think that, you know, you got to play with those different combinations throughout the season. And you got to find the 11 that work together. And so when we look at the, the earlier game, right, we talk about defense having all the switches on. Uh, we, we didn't have Melvin Ingram. We talked about how great an asset that was. We didn't have our best D lineman, which was Chris Jones. We didn't have what I think is our best linebacker, Willie Gay. But 
in a limited capacity because he was coming back from something. And we didn't have our best corner, who I felt is Traverius Ward. So when you take the best corner, the best linebacker, the best defense of linemen off of a squad, I know it sounds like I'm playing my own violin right now, right? I'm playing the pity party. But those are the things that you go go through during the season. And, and when you account for a loss and you realize that was the case, I know Milano wasn't in the game. But if I, if I, if I add Milano to your defense and take away Traverius White, I, I still see a decline in that defense as opposed to that not at all and, and I'll tell you why and, and again I go back to you I'm sure you have seen this there there are two things that are happening with the bills defense right now they already were playing at such a high level early on in the season yeah. Tredavious goes down Tredavious is hands down the leader of that defense emotionally yeah. physically talent-wise, everything. He he is that leader on that defense. And when he went down, it was not an injury of, you know, he'll be back in two weeks or he'll be back in, in four weeks. This was, you know, you're done for the year, right? So everybody knew that he was done. But being that emotional leader, they have all rallied around Trey throughout since he went down. And you can see it when they have their post-game press conferences, right? They bring up Hyde and Poyer, right? They'll bring up the, the corners, and everybody comes up there, but they come up there with the 27 jersey, right, to say that he's still here with us. They are playing together as a family and as a unit. So I think that's, that's one of the big things that's helped uh, galvanize and really account for uh, maybe a loss in, in what you would get from production. Not to mention the guys that have filled in for, for Trey have stepped their game up. But here's the other one, and I'll share with you. And, you know, I if if you get a chance, right, not that we support or promote anything else, but just YouTube Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde press conferences. Because these two boys are raw. When I tell you they are raw, they will get up there and they, they will let loose and fire. And do not, if you've taken a shot at them, do not miss, right? Because they went off on the New England reporters after, after the, uh, the, the win game, right, uh, in like uh, week 10, week 11. Right, they went off on that reporter, shut them down, done. But the fact of the matter, the Pro Bowl selection came out. Right. And, you know, I understand everybody. One of the big things with the Pro Bowl is incentives that you have in your contract. Right? That's one of the big things with the Pro Bowl. But you want to talk about a slight. They weren't even. All right. I, I know there's a lot of great talent out there, especially in the safety position. Right. And especially in the AFC. But these guys weren't even second Pro Bowl or, or the first alternate. They weren't on the second. They weren't on the third. They were on the fourth and the fifth. Now, that, that's unheard of. And then when the AP comes out, their first team, second team. Now, you, you know, you can talk about fans voting on that. They felt slighted. And you could just feel it. And the whole defense felt it because nobody on the league's number one ranked defense made the Pro Bowl. That's unheard of, right? I think they said the last time that happened was the Steelers way back in, in like the early 2000s. Unheard of. So, so is this the second coming of the no-name defense? Is that what? It's crazy to have a number one defense. 
Edmonds, we know we know that linebacker. He can roll. He's a he's a he's a six foot five monster in the middle. Uh, you know about Rizzo. Obviously, he had a great game against us the first time around. You know about Ed Oliver. He's a he's a man child. And then you talk about obviously the two safeties. They they man the middle and the deep like no other, right? Hyde and Poy. So it's 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 not a it's not a no name defense. Um, it's just those guys have to do so much every week. They have to do so much. Um, and this is going to be the test because unlike the, 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 the previous five or six uh, QBs you've gone against, this is, this is the one, and you know it. And everybody on that defense knows it. This, this, this ain't Mike White for the Jets. This ain't the rookie that's playing for New England. That's on you, Stevie D. Wow. The backup at the Carolina Panthers, I don't even know what his name was when, when y'all played the Carolina Panthers. Or the backup for the Saints. Yeah. Right. So this is this is time. It's, it's, it's time. It's big boy time. We're gonna put your big boy pads on, and we're gonna come. To, you're gonna come to Arrowhead, and we're gonna we're gonna see. We're gonna, we're gonna wait, wait. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Is this the same guy that we played in Week Five? Or it might be the same guy y'all played last in the playoffs. Just about this same time. Well, that that was then. What did Mark McGuire say? Or no? What did Rafael Palmeiro say? I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about. So when, when we talk about oh, hold on. excuse me, hold on. Let's let's ask J- the Jet is is week five the pass? Is that part of the twenty twenty one season? Is that part of the twenty twenty one season? Wait, this is the this is the postseason, bro. You gotta turn the page. This is 2021-2022. This is all the same. Hey, tell me what your contract well, says. Well, well, <laughs> here's what I'm saying. If you want, if you want to, if you let's get oh, let's get into the contract dollars. I, I know. I stepped into that. that money is gone. I, I know. I stepped into that. Eighteen weeks. Here's what I'll say: the difference between the regular season, the regular season, and the postseason. Right, and I go back, and I'm going to use a jet phrase from 2010, the last time we made the playoffs. The Jets got embarrassed by the New England Patriots in New England, 45 to three. Less than six weeks later, we're back in Foxborough and win 28-21 on the road with Mark Sanchez in the playoffs. Anything can happen, right? Playoffs are, are a different game. So, my, miracle my happened for my, me in 2010. Is seven and two in the playoffs. What shows? Um, well, Mark McCord. Well, if we talk about this this season oh, again, I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about the present. Yeah, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about. It. Hold on, my quarterbacks want to know with the perfect game. What's yours? Well, look, we can get into the perfect game and all that. I don't think. Uh, now here comes the referee part of it. Right now, I got to step in and push everybody to the side. You're trying to be a bully over there. You want to bring up all the stuff that happened back, you know, with Woodrow Wilson and FDR working office. You know, we're not here to talk about that. Well, I'm here here to talk about the – about, you know, Sean brought up Josh Allen, right? Look, we want to talk Patrick Mahomes 7-2 in the playoffs, Super Bowl ring. That's all on good, right? Josh Allen's won some playoff games, right? And and, and he's ready to take off and and, – I think I know you were having fun with it, but I I'm, I'm I don't sleep on Josh Allen. I don't think coming into Arrowhead is a big deal in the playoffs. He played there last year. He know what it was like. He played there in the regular season. Got got past that demon, you know. Ready, ready, won in Arrowhead. You know, I and, and I agree with you. I so first of all, Arrowhead is real, 
right? Just, just like going to Seattle, that's real. And just like coming to Highmark Stadium, that's that's real. Well, it wasn't always real in the playoffs until <laughs> only a couple of years ago. There was many years, and I think no, 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 I, I, I can't, I can't go with you there because. Right, right, hold on, let me get my fact out here. How many losses did they have at home in the playoffs in a row before that streak was finally stopped? So to say Kansas City is this great hold on. team. Until the, until the sign goes away, we're gonna keep going. <laughs> Uh, you, when you were talking about the keys, you said it was loud. You didn't know how many decibels. You didn't know what the record was. So I was reminding you with the 142.2. Okay. It's actually on my shirt if you're just looking. But you Pipe, look piped, it, piped in with, with, with both speakers and everything else. There you go. 142.2. Okay. Anyway, so, Stevie, back, back to I, I, We have dominated with the Bills and Chiefs here throughout this podcast here, but before, we, we do it's have to take part. It's ready the game. Well, the, well, what I mean is, is more of what happened last week, because there are some things that happened last week in the playoffs that were mind-boggling, and I, I don't want to get off without kind of talking about it, because if we don't, we, we won't talk about it all, right? Yeah. We, we talked about officials this week, right, Vince? We, we talked about things, and – and then we and then we talked about we were kind of confused at the end of the Dallas game, right, on that play call. But I really wanted to start, especially from a Sean perspective as a former player, if this has ever happened in his pro career, where a whistle blows, the player stop, the play goes, and then the play continues to count for a touchdown. Like, all right, so let me set this up. It's Broncos Raiders second quarter, and. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a little wager there, Sean. <laughs> the barbecue sauce and wings, right? 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 Uh, Buffalo wings versus uh, uh, Kansas City Q. But So you, you got Joe Boer rolling out to his right, and when you're watching the play, it looks like he's stepping out of bounds, and he throws the ball towards the end zone. Uh, high pass to – I forget who caught the ball offhand. I don't, maybe it was the tight end, 87. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but anyway, it was Boyd. It was a Boyd, and so the the pass comes in, and then as it's in the air, I would say right when it's crossing the the uh, the goal line, you hear a whistle, right, and then you see the Raider corner, kind of all right, plays over, something happened, plays over, and, and he kind of shuts it down, right. And I know it's bang bang, but you can clearly see he shuts it down. The referees get together, have a conversation. And say touchdown. I think even the Bengal fans, I know they got the touchdown, but if you really ask the Bengal, people are confused, right? They replayed it like a hundred times on the TV broadcast, right? When they replayed it, I know watching it, I'm like, that play's dead. I, they can't give that guy a touchdown. The, the play is dead. And so I left confused. And as, as a player, Sean, I mean, are you taught no matter what you play through the whistle? And should that corner have played through the whistle, or does the NFL need to step up and do the right thing at that point in time and say, hey, it's a do-over, right? That play doesn't count. So I think one of those officials came in and said if there's an inverted whistle throughout any part of the play, the play should not have counted. So I think that they acknowledged that that was the wrong thing to do, after, obviously after the fact. Um, but as a player, we are taught to play through the echo of the whistle. So there, there's no way I can – if the ball is in flight, and we're talking about, I mean, I can understand if it's a Hail Mary, 
and I hear a whistle. At that at that point, a ball being in the air a couple seconds, I might have a chance to pull up where somebody could catch it. But if I'm already making a move to break up a play, I, a whistle while the, while the ball's in the air is not going to make you stop playing. You're gonna you're gonna go ahead and finish that play. This your the, the, the habitual nature of you breaking to the ball, finishing through a ball carrier. The last thing you you are trying to do is listen for a whistle. So it will, it will be different if the if when the quarterback is. Uh, wrapped up a little bit, and then there's a whistle, and maybe a guy lets him go, and the play continues, and that kind. Of, then I would understand a little bit of a saltiness on the defense side of the ball, but I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, the play it was going to be a touchdown. The guy was a little bit out of position. I don't think he stopped early enough where you know all of a sudden could impact the play, open and stuff like that. So I mean, but Sean, let me ask you, let me ask you this question um, because it's been a little bit since you played. Right, and since you last played, the rules have kind of changed. Right, the mentality of the game has changed, and if we look at the officiating, what you see being called on the field today is completely different. And I'm not saying that you played a, a you know a long time ago, but it's completely different from when you played. And and now you have players that sometimes are of the mindset, I don't know what to do. And key situations and key moments, I don't want to be the the reason for some, something happening. Like a flag being thrown for a late hit type of deal. Absolutely. And, and we, we see it all the time. I, I remember, and now I don't remember the players. I just remember the game. And it was with a quarterback and where somebody was coming, you know, off the edge. It was coming for a sack and kind of let up. On, on the sack, right, because he was afraid that he was going to get that penalty. And somehow the play kept going, right, and I'm not sure if it was like Roethlisberger yeah. or somebody else, and they were able to either complete a pass or a touchdown or something like that, right? And it brought up everybody talking about, I don't know what to do, right? So if I hear that whistle and I keep playing and I hit this guy, Right? Am I hitting a defenseless receiver? Is that a personal foul? Am I costing us 15 yards? If somehow whatever happens, right? I I, I get that, you know, even from you know Pee-wee, they told you to play through the whistle. To your point, play through the echo. But it's the game has just shifted. It has shifted so far, right? That is that something that's running through through your mind? I'm gonna always uh, fault on being the aggressor. I'm going to play aggressively. Well, they can you out the game then. <laughs> then I'm going to have to let them, after the, after the smoke clears, then they can figure out when the whistle went and when it didn't, all that kind of stuff. But right. anytime you think that you can play this game and you can dial it back, slow down, let me let me slow it, that's when you get injured. Yeah, I agree. So I, every guy, player I've ever talked to, if you are scared about getting a penalty, then you're playing the wrong game. You are. You're playing the wrong. You got to go out there and you got to play like your hair on fire, like the ground's hot. You got to be always chopping your feet, moving your feet because your feet get stagnant. That's when people roll into your ankles and your knees, right? When you when you, when you when you let up and you, and you relax mentally and your body relax, that's when that soft tissue gets uh, a, a, a twist or a sprain and stuff like that. So, man, you got to go out there and go out there with the mentality of you're going to play. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a contact aggressive sport. Sometimes the quarterback's Helmet gets hit by a hand. Sometimes you hit him a little bit low. You, Why you bring that one up? In the nature of the game and just play aggressively. So, okay. 
perfect. Now, now we're gonna go to like part two of this, right? So the, the officials gathered together. Mm-hmm. Now they said they made a mistake at the end of the game, or whatever. Somebody came out and said the play should have been dead. With all the communications back to New York to talk about replays of plays during a game and everything, nobody can understand or come up with the rule that says if a whistle is blown, the play is dead. But you can't replay the whistle. I hear you. I hear you, but you can't replay the whistle. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I hear it. Yes, I agree with what you're saying, right? I guess where I'm going with it, you're right. It's so stupid. And I guess where I'm going with it, ultimately, I'm not saying the Raiders would have won that football game. I'm not necessarily saying they would have won. It's a big play in the game. It's a touchdown. You got to say at the very least, at the least, at the most we know it's seven points because they got the touchdown. You got to figure they're going to kick the field goal. So you got to figure that's either a four-point play or a seven-point play because you're going to give you you're going to get the three unless something terrible guy and the guy can't kick a forty-yarder, right? It's a it's a big play, momentum swing there, whatever you want to say. I, to me, it's a big play, and where it's going to when you think of the trickle-down effect of the Raiders' loss. If you stay with me here for a second, if the Raiders win that game and now go to I think they would go to Tennessee, mm-hmm. right? They would go to Tennessee. Does I would say May, May, Mike Mayock doesn't get fired this week, and now the coaching staff are not going to be out of a job because there's no guarantee Bisacci is going to stick. You know, new GM come in, maybe wants to go in a different direction. The Raiders win that game. Now all of a sudden, they're won their I think 11th game of the year, right? Now Bisacci is like eight and five as an interim head coach. Maybe they pull up an upset in Tennessee. Who knows? But that by not getting that call right on the field may have cost the GM his job and all the coaching staff for the Raiders their job because we couldn't ask the right thing. Steve, that, that that's a little bit of a stretch to correlate a bad call. First of all, let, let's keep in mind, this happened in the first half. Right, I, I remember we're going to win the game. I'm just saying it happened in the first half. This yeah. is a team that struggled in the first quarter, right? Actually, struggled in the first quarter and in part of the second quarter, right? And we were going back and forth, right? You can't kick field goals like that in in the playoffs. You, sure. Your drives yeah. have got to convert to seven, not three, and that they were coming up short. Right. So if anybody was responsible for losing a job, it would have been because of that first half performance because they were in there and they could have got a big. That the final score was a seven point game. It's it, not like it was a blowout. It, it really was. Right. And it's a bet. But yeah, you take two of those field goals, you convert those to touchdowns. We're not even talking about this. Right. It is a bad call. I don't think that it is the cascading or the domino effect to everything that transpired. And, and I think it's fair that to understand that, you know, Basaccia now is a 50-50 shot, whereas if they win the game, I don't – I wouldn't blame it on that. I would blame that more on momentum than anything else. And I do believe – and, Sean, again, you could speak to this. I believe that momentum is huge when it comes playoff time. I, I Whether it's playoff or not, I believe momentum is huge. And that was a very deflating – uh, set of events that you know they had to recover from, but just think about what what would have happened, and think about the psyche, and you know how up you were 
especially going into halftime, if that play doesn't happen, if you hold them to three. It, all of those that's where, and you're making my point for me with the Raiders. Right? Well, I, I'm not talking about the players and the general manager being let go. I'm just talking about the, the sequence of events within the game itself. I That part I do agree with. Sure, which can parlay into, you know, at the end of the game, you're you coming up short. I would like I would like to believe that no coach is fired or hired based off of one game. I would believe it's a culmination of things, events, disagreements throughout a season. Um, the only coach I would disagree is Dave Cully. I think that they fired him before he was hired. He was he was not really given a fair chance to do anything with the Houston Texans. They already had they were looking for the next year. They wanted somebody as a stopgap. Uh, good thing he made twenty two million to be a stopgap for one year. So we can applaud that. But uh, they got to do something different about the hiring and firing process. So going back to what you said about the penalty, I mean, we got two games that one game, uh, uh, a referee, we talked about the Dallas Cowboy game at the end of that game, right? People think the referee should have did something different. At the, at the end of the day, just what Vince is saying, the Raiders needed to play better in the first half so it wouldn't have come down to that one call. The Cowboys – Halftime, had a chance to get points. They end up punting it, no points. They the, the Cowboy fans want to talk about this ref who didn't place the ball right and who wasn't in position and all that. Man, Cowboys, take take control of what you can control, right? It was over, over 50 snaps in the ball game. Let's not talk about the 50th of the reason why you didn't win the ball game. Let's talk about the other 49 plays that the, the defense end jumped off sides three or four times. <laughs> right. Great, like, like, getting lit up. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, the, the, the team got to accept some responsibility, and just because the ref makes a bad call or a bad whistle or a missed spot, there, there's so many plays to be made in the game. If you allow it to come down to the end, and for an official to make a call, not make a call, to call you the game, that's really to me as a team and a coach, we, we got to blame ourselves for not making enough plays. Where's so, that responsibility by not handing the ball to the to the referee? How many times do you see a, a wide receiver make a catch, go down, run to the line, give it to an official so they can spot the ball? Where is Dak's responsibility to pop up, find that official, and give him the football? So I, I would say that Dak in practice, they probably never run that play that way. It probably always goes to C.D. Lamb. He takes a knee at the 20. He runs it in. The official comes, takes the ball from him. So that play, we see it all the time. It's always the wide receiver. I have no idea why they chose instead of the hit CD with the slant, which he's further down the field anyway. It's a quicker play. It leaves you more time. So I don't know why they did, they, 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 they opted or, off, or audible to the quarterback sneak. Yes, they were giving it to you. Like fools go. They wanted you to take that. Yeah, right. Right? Take, take, the, take, the, take the easy, the low-hanging fruit. And then, and, and, and then accordingly, you weren't able to uh, survive – the misplacement of the ball and all that kind of stuff. So, so let, let me – and I don't know how much this is practice. I, I really don't because – the, the So why aren't the splits wider <laughs> to get, allow the referee to go through because he's trying to get through and their splits are as if they're kicking a field goal. Right. So like I said, in practice, that ball goes to the wide receiver. A sideline judge comes in and spots the ball. There, there isn't a, a somebody coming from the back to, to spot it. That referee ain't coming from the back. He's already downfield. Okay. So the nature of them doing it that way made it different for everybody, including the offensive line, 
You saw that. He had no idea the breath was coming from behind. Right, right. Now, I but I do take umbrage with this referee or, or, or field judge. This guy, when they ran the fake punt, right? And, Sean, please help me understand this. They run the fake punt. They get the first down. There's a little bit of confusion, right? Then the Cowboys are, are playing games. So, so part of this is on the Cowboys, right? Exactly. They left the kicking team out there, the punting team out there. The punter's running around like he doesn't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden they wait to like the 10-second the or the 12-second mark, and they do a wholesale change, right? I think they were trying to get them to call a timeout, but whatever. So now you have to allow time for the other team to substitute since you, you did this mass substitution, right? Now, the line judge who's standing there over the ball is still standing there. It's still standing there as the clock gets down to two seconds. I don't know what he was looking at. I, they had already spotted the ball. And then when he gets out of the way, there's no time for them to snap the ball and they get to delay a game. I, why? I, what was he doing? Offensively, if you make a late, a, a late um, play substitution, you have to allow the defense to make the same substitution. Right. And there is no letter of the law how long that should take. There is no like, you know, hey, I got to stand on the ball for five second count or four second count. It's a judgment call. So as a as an official, when they make a a, a, a full change, and you look at the defense. All right, they bring it in punt return. You got you looking back and forth. I'm watching for both teams to be set so I can now move and put the ball into play. So that's totally on Dallas trying some Bush League thinking that they was going to get them to, the, the, other, the other team to call a timeout, being like, okay, we don't have enough time. Let's, let's call a quick timeout. That's just not knowing, again, We everybody who's a Cowboy fan says the Cowboys are number one in being a dysfunctional organization on so many levels, time management, uh, how they handle the cap, how they release and bring on players, like everything across the board. And then it just trickles out on the field when you see a guy jumping off sides three times in one game. Well, and, and you know, that, Demetri, I'll, what, I'll put this back. Demetri, about, right? The pre-snap, Demetri, pre-snap Demetri. penalties. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Chad. I'm sorry. No, we talked. You talked about it earlier. Pre-snap penalties. That that's a discipline penalty. That's not even the play. That's that's the coaches. That's the, yes. the lack of discipline in your day to day. Lets a guy go out there and think that I can. Assume a ball is going to be snapped. Like that, that's never no no fundamental coaches ever say uh, uh, try to guess the snap count. Get, like no man, rush the ball. You got a great. You're a better athlete than the guy trying to block you. You don't mm-hmm. need that half a count. But mm-hmm. the same guy does it three times in one ball game in the playoffs. Playoffs. Yeah, that there's no excuse for that. But it, what I was going to say, and, and uh, Dimitri, thank you for that. Dimitri posted, and he's right, right? Mike McCarthy, my, my preseason coach of the year, right? I, I thought I nailed that from Dak not being there last year, worst to first. But, yeah, I didn't take into the fact that horrible clock management, right? And, and that was – something that we saw throughout the season and really, you know, everybody can see it on the big stage in a big-time playoff game. You know, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Whether it be calling the run, right? If you're in the headset of of Dak, you have to tell him, you can't go that far, right? You you just can't, right? 
Or you're, you're to your point, you're saying hit CD, hit Amari, hit hit whoever it is. Uh, you know, on, on the slant, you're, you're there at the hashes. You're handing the ball over. We're back. We're spiking, right? Yeah. Hey, or why not just take the shot to the end zone, right? We've already complained about the officials. There's a good shot that you might get the flag and be right the there. First one ever. It, right, right, but there's a good chance. I mean, we've seen the officials. We saw them the day before, right? So you know that this stuff happens. And and, and you're right. Uh, I'm surprised McCarthy still has a job, to be honest with you. Um, uh, it, it could be like the Giants, right? It's going to wait 24 to 40 hours, whatever the case may be, and say, okay. Obviously, it's been a little longer than that. But uh, I don't think he's safe. Um, but, you know, Vince, you have also said it too. When you fire a coach – you really kind of reset your organization back, and um, well, not in this case because they're already more established and they got the players you know, ready to go. Is, is ready to take the reins there. And which, I'm not a fan of Kellen Moore. I don't know if he's ready. Well, Jerry is not asking you, Steve. Jerry is asking Jerry. <laughs> right? Jerry, the owner, is asking Jerry, the GM. What do you think about Kellen Moore? Ah, boy, I really like that guy. <laughs> That's what's happening. Well, what's y'all say? Well, I don't want to lose him to another team, so we're, we're going to promote him the head coach. Well, that that could happen. <laughs> you know, I, I guess it's the question that that uh, Kellen Moore is being asked is, can you be a yes man like Jason Garrett? And if he says yes, I can be a yes man like Jason Garrett. You got the job. Yeah, I don't believe that they like McCarthy. I I really don't, and, and I think he's only there just because of. Uh, Dimitri says Eric Bieniemy would be perfect for Dallas. I don't think so. I I don't think so. I, I hear a lot of pub coming out of the Kansas City market, whether it be Andy Reid or some of the others pushing for Eric Bieniemy. Uh, I I think Eric's got to cut his teeth a little bit more. Um, same same with Brian Dable. I think Brian Dable's got to cut his teeth a little bit more before he gets that job. Um, I those those are two guys I think can be you know later on down the line. Sean, you, you, you see BNME all the time. What, what are your thoughts on him? Um, he's, like I said, same thing I said about Coach Cully. Both of those guys are great leaders of men. And so if you have a locker room that's full of men, then they, they'll, they'll, they'll win instantaneously. And then if you have a locker room full of young men acting like boys who really need to grow up, they'll, they're, they're the best solution either way. So if you need to change your culture, you need a guy like Eric BNME, a guy like David Cully, you need to get one of those guys, even uh, Harbaugh coming back in. Um, that brand of football is is made to win. You can win. You win immediately. You win now. And sometimes over a, a course of six years, seven years, players it starts to get a little old, right? All the discipline and the stuff. Even with the uh, coach from Jacksonville, what, what was his name? Coffin. Um, players hated playing for Coffin after a while because he was, See, was worried where you were going. <laughs> he wouldn't let you wear a hat in the building. He didn't let you play your music. Like like all the things that everybody wanted to do now, he was that ain't his way. But he was successful. He got that Jacksonville team to the playoff. I mean, like, success should uh, uh, trump comfort. And some young men don't believe that. They want to be comfortable. They want to be, you know, taken care of and treated a certain way. Man, you need you, if you're trying to win in the NFL and you want a team that can win for a long time, Mike Tomlin, uh, Belichick, um, coaches like that, um, Andy Reid, um, with, with, with the Reed Tree, McDermott, and all the other guys that came under Coach Andy, um, they, they've shown a way of creating a, a air of discipline 
you can have some fun, but 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 you got to be disciplined and be able to play good, sound, fundamental football. So so to to that point, when you think of Bill Belichick and his disciples, and I think Vince and I kind of talked about the disciples of Bill Belichick a, a week ago. Uh, when you look at the um, Josh McDaniels and the allegations that I think D, DJ was it DJ Williams, the linebacker for the Broncos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shady was in the video, and wasn't uh, Brandon Marshall in there? On that team? Yeah, he was Jay a good team. Yeah. 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 They started 6-0, and and everything was great, and then I guess they, they stopped filming other teams, and they couldn't win a game the rest of the year. But, you know, when you look at the Belichick tree, he doesn't have a lot of success. And, it, and is that the backfire of not having name recognition – trying to put the Bill Belichick way in an organization with maybe young players that are not ready for that discipline. I mean, fans of Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, um, who am I missing? I feel like I'm missing. Well, you, you can run down the list, right? Romeo and Charlie Weiss. Yeah. And, yeah. That, who, who I mean, they've had zero success. Charlie Weiss had zero success. Romeo Cannell has had zero success as a head yeah, coach. Yeah, the only one that's, that's been successful has been O'Brien. Right, that that's the only one. Bill O'Brien, the GM, or Bill the, O'Brien, the head coach. The, Bill O'Brien, the head coach, has been successful. Bill O'Brien, the GM, is, is not good. Right. Okay. Uh, and, and actually, in all fairness, Brian Flores was good, which I wanted to ask Sean about as well. I, yet, but Sean, before you comment on that, here here's my belief on that. Right. I, I believe that. If you look at what Belichick has going on in New England, it is a very authoritative type state that is being run in New England. And you have his disciples, right? But his disciples, very close, they follow what he says. If us from the outside, we see success. And so we kind of anoint them without really knowing what they're doing. And then they get put into the situation where now they're on their own. Right. They're, they're not under the care of their daddy being Bill Belichick. And then all of a sudden, everything goes haywire. They don't know how to manage the game. They don't know how to manage the locker room. They don't know how to manage the team. They don't know how to scheme well. They're not bringing in good coordinators. Right. And so everything just blows up. And what do they do? Right. For their security blanket, they run back to New England. They run back under Belichick. And then they say, OK, I'm good here. Yeah. Right. And, and we've, that's why you see just a litany of people that you can put to any team that hasn't had success, right? Again, there, you have one or two, right? And there's always those one or two that, that, that can do something. But all the rest, their security blanket is Bill Belichick, right? He, how often do you hear an interview from a, a coordinator from New England? And even if you're in New England, you never do, right? And you never really hear it from Belichick either, but he's the one that kind of controls it. He controls that whole group, right? And, and more power to him because, you know, being the 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 mastermind of, of whatever was happening up in there, right? But he's got total control. And, and that's the way I see it with these guys and why we don't see the level of success. Yeah. So Andy is completely opposite of that. Andy – um, he actually he actually kind of requires his coaches to coach different position groups. So like Greg, uh, uh, we have a coach Greg who coached wide receivers last year, who's now the running back coach. Uh, when I was with the Eagles, we had an offensive line coach move to D line coach, uh, tight end coach went to wide receivers. 
Sean McDermott started out working with the secondary, then went to the safeties before he became a de de defensive coordinator. Um, so uh, Coach Spagnola, same difference. Worked with Brian Dawkins in the secondary, became a linebacker coach when I went back there in 06, and then became a de defensive coordinator. So he makes the guys learn the different levels um, and, and kind of earn your stripes up to being a coordinator. And then every week here in Kansas City, all three coordinators talk to the media. You can you can go on our web. You'll see Coach Spagnola. You'll see Eric Bieniemy. You see Coach Tobe and, and Andy Reid. So all four of them have their own segments every week where they talk about their phase of the, of the game, uh, which is really important to developing your social skills, working with the media. If you mm -hmm. are are to be a head coach, um, and I think that's something Andy has always did. And it is it, not go up there and be Andy Reid. It's go up there and, and, and be yourself. You got to be very transparent. The, the, the locker room is the worst place to try to be phony and fake. Players, the one thing we can sniff out, we can sniff out when you're trying to be something you really ain't. That tough guy, acting like a tough guy, acting like something you ain't, like you you loot down in Jacksonville. It sounds like prison. trying to come to the NFL and be something he ain't. And, 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 I mean, it would have been better just to stay in college where, where the state of Florida loves you, they worship you. NFL ain't been the locker room. We, we don't talk about Urban over here. Oh. <laughs> we don't talk about Urban. <laughs> you know, going, going back to Belichick and, and that, you know, Scott Pioli came to Kansas City. Yeah. And and what we've heard, the way Scott Pioli ran the organization, like he tried to run it like Belichick ran it in New England. Exactly. It, it, was that your vibe being in that? I don't know if you were in the building with Pioli. I, I know you had other ventures. You were there. Would that be a fair assessment of what he tried to do? Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, from a top-down standpoint, they told people if, you know, whatever department you're in, every email you send should be about that department. They didn't want people who are in the market department looking at practice. So during practice, there was a time where somebody from the from the uh, staff would look up at the building and everybody's shades had to be completely shut during practice because they didn't want people in the football operations, whether in the football office, marketing people looking out their window at practice. That's how nervous they were about being film taped, any information leaking out. Uh, it was it was it was it was an obsession with uh, the Patriot way, which was trying to be you know rebranded as the Chiefs way. Um, and that style of football, but everybody was on pins and needles every day of the week and stuff like that. And it just became so un what everybody was used to here in Kansas City, especially after a coach like Vermeil, that era with him and uh, Carl Peterson, which was so family orientated to have a, a regime come in here and uh, separate the team from the alumni. Like, hey, if, you, if you're not playing, you're not a player no more. You need to, you know, you got, you got alumni rules. You know, we don't we don't mix the two. Um, but, so you know, Sean, again, not, not to harken back on Belichick, the, he earned his stripes. Yeah. Right. And so he could create that type of environment and culture. And then the winning just added on to the, the glow and the aura that he had. Right. These guys, no matter who it is. Pioli, Cornell, Patricia, Weiss, and you can go down the list. They haven't really done anything, right? And they, they may be benefactors of having rings and, and, you know, going to the parades and stuff. But if you think about it, Belichick with Parcells, right, in, in the 80s, and, 
you know, the early 90s. You, you, you look at the way that was. Belichick was kind of anointed, right? He, he was raised up as the chosen one, especially, especially for the Giants' exhibition game victory uh, in, in – <laughs> because, if, you know, if you think about it, when you look at that Bills team, Right, I think they were seven point, but really were uh, beyond that a double digit favorite for that game. Right, everybody just knew that Buffalo was going to win that game, and Belichick came out with a completely different type scheme to try to combat Kelly and Thomas and Reed in the offense. Right, and so even though OJ got the credit, really Belichick that was the beginning. Right, in in all that he had done working with that Giants defense and how successful they had been. But that really was the beginning. And so as he went in there to New England, well, obviously he had multiple other steps. But as he went to New England, they were like, this guy knows what he's doing, right? And then he started to do some other things. And even though he had guys underneath him who were playing key roles in the development of different players, different positions, it was all Belichick, right? And it just kind of just kind of grew and grew. You guys have seen the seen the the – the, the ludicrous commercial, right, where he gets to the mic and you, you just start to see the braids start to puff out more and more. He gets that afro, right? That's the same as Belichick. It just kept growing, growing, and growing. And so now you got these guys that are under him that, you know, they, they don't bring that same level of respect. And then they try to institute where you need to have that respect, and it ends up in failure. It ends up in disaster. And, and I think that's why Flores Flores is a little different, right? We we look at the success that he had or was was growing down there in Miami. That's because he he commanded that level of respect, right? Had some issues there with Greer, and had some issues, you know, obviously with Tua not wanting Tua. But yeah, that that's for another point. <laughs> well, all in all, man, we, we see these coaches come up through different trees. Even Andy's had, you know, obviously. We, we can praise Sean McDermott for being successful, but we also had to realize Matt Nagy at the Bears were not as successful, right? Went to the playoffs a few times, I think two out of the four years, but all in all, uh, was not successful. And that, it, you cannot try to take an offensive coordinator out of the Chiefs offense, put him in a team that doesn't have the same weapons, and expect him to run that same offense. He has to be a great evaluator of talent, and then he has to be able to adjust and manipulate that philosophy to fit his current roster, and everybody doesn't have that talent. Just because you was the quarterback coach here at uh, Kansas City doesn't mean you're a great evaluator of talent and skills and be able to adjust your offense based off of guys' top-level speed, catching radius, uh, total athleticism. Uh, you know, uh, Like what he's done with McCole Hartman as far as our team, everybody said McCole was drafted to be the next Tyreek Hill. We don't use those players at all the same way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it takes a smart, it takes somebody to be able to recognize that and be able to, to design in the offense how can you utilize both of them in a way that's going to work for them. Um, and, and I don't think every coach in our building um, really has that that talent. And so when they get drafted or taken from our team and they expect to recreate the Kansas City Chiefs offense, that's the worst thing an organization can do. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, we've talked about uh, just different situations. My, my biggest problem, Sean, that I have is where, um, you know, you have these coaches trying to put a square peg into a round hole, 
right? Just does not work. It doesn't happen. And you, you, you can look around. And I think if we look at the success going to the Baltimore Ravens, you look at the success that Lamar Jackson has had, that's because he's being coached by an offensive coordinator who understands that style of play, understands what he has in, in his tool chest, and he's able to get the best out of it, right? We saw him do it in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. We saw him do it in Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor. We're seeing him do it there in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, right? Now, if Greg Roman were to go somewhere else, right, I venture to say if you have a statuesque drop-back passer, that's not going to be a good fit for those two, right? And, and that's not utilizing the talent in, in a way of what you were saying there. That's not utilizing the talent in, in the right manner, right? And, and it, it, it's beyond me why organizations try to force their way of doing certain things, putting players into positions. Go ahead. 2013 offensive staff for the Washington football team. The offensive coordinator, Mike Shanahan. Quarterback coach, Matt LaFleur. Tight end coach, Sean McVay. That team stunk. <laughs> three three <laughs> coaches Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> McVay's, the, the, the way he uses the play action pass to go vertical, outstanding offensive mind. Uh, uh, Shanahan, this run game, the way he manipulates the defense using motion and the fullback, outstanding downhill run. And then Matt LaFleur, what he's been able to do with the running pass, keeping it balanced, even with Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest quarterbacks, he's able to keep that team balanced and outstanding. But for all three of those guys to be in the same building, lack of talent. The talent wasn't there. So I don't care who you got as your head coach or OC, whatever. You can't you can't do anything if the talent ain't in the building. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, so guys, we uh, had a little fun early. Um, Sean, this, se- the, oh, this season I am not doing predictions. Oh. Yeah, that, that, yeah. We, we can bet, but I'm not doing predictions. I'm staying away from that this year. I, I have to make sure that I have all of my stars aligned. I have to make sure that, you know, it, we had wings last week. We're going to have to have wings again this week, right? We, we, again, this is this is a family-rated show. I don't know exactly what's going on over there. Uh, I'm, a little... I'm about to be eating good in the neighborhood. I, I don't know exactly what's going on. <laughs> but, you know, for, for the sanctity of the show, that that is PG. There we go again, CBD. Yeah. I'm just glad I'm not the one getting muted this week. All right? I'm just glad I got somebody else on the show to get muted. Why you, you mute me? Because I dance? Because I'm happy? I'm just happy. To I'm happy. Yeah, I again didn't know what was going on over there. I saw the head kind of swirling all around the body. I wasn't sure. You know, you know, do we need to call nine one one? You know, you just rob it over there like a bobblehead. Come on, no, you're better than that. Can I request, like, my wife, she's not really a big meat eater. She does more seafood. So if you're going to send me, like, a $50 a package of some seafood, we you know, we kind of landlocked here in Kansas City, so we don't really have the fresh seafood. Out there in Buffalo, you might get some some access, some better food. Uh, maybe some lobster, some shrimp, something like that. Uh, <laughs> you, you said $50, $100, whatever, you, whatever. 
price tag you put, you know, you can slip the receipt in there so I know it's right. And then it's so, so first and foremost, all right, let, let, let's get this straight. All right. I don't need your address. You you can send that care of <laughs> Vince Coles. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! But he's not predicting. But yeah. he's not predicting. Because you know, I yeah. So, but uh, yeah. I got you. Yeah. I, I, now, in 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 all fairness, I, again, we had some fun early on. Uh, I think you know, Steve. To your question, right? What what were the top five things that that we were looking for? At the end of the day, let me give you three more, Sean. I'll let you give three more, and then as Mills Lane would say, let's get it on. Right. Uh, when, when I look at this game, you know, if I look at my three keys, right, three keys it will definitely be I need strong play in the trenches, offensive and defensive side of the ball. Need that. The next key is going to be what is uh, the impact of Dawson Knox? Because Dawson Knox in the passing game opens everything up. If he's able to, to get downfield, get those seam passes, that's going to certainly open it up. For McKenzie, for Beasley, you'll see um, Diggs is just going to do what Diggs does, so I'm not worried about that. But definitely Dawson Knox, and then the, and then the third is I want to see uh, my linebacking core um, consistently there to make the plays. Right? Don't overrun. You need to be committed. Um, we, we've seen them sometimes overly aggressive which takes them out of the play and then that that uh, opens up the cutback you know and so we need to be able to be focused uh i think if we see a little bit more aj klein you're gonna have a lot of stops there in the middle uh edwards alaire not playing i, th I think that hurts a little bit i know you had was a damian williams back there and jarek mckinnon uh but i think alaire is a level up vice versa okay so I think so, Williams is not playing. Hilaire might play. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Didn't hear that one. So, okay. Good to know. Williams, Williams with the ankle. The toe. And Hilaire coming back from the injury? Yeah. Okay. They're rushing him back, Stevie D. They're, Tor they're nervous. They're nervous. They're no. nervous. Toradol. That, that's, all, that's all it is. Toradol. <laughs> Stop the shipment. <laughs> But yeah, if if I can get my linebackers to uh, not over pursue, have good contain, uh, I think everything else that we talked about really fall falls in place. I, I, I'm happy that the team has made it this far to where they are. I know that they're hungry, right? You know, they had a lot of T-shirts that were printed up last year where you know they were very proud of the achievement of the AFC East. Well, you don't see that this year, right? Because now the goal is the exhibition game. Right. They are laser focused. And, and I like that. And again, I go back to um, the the um, the the press conference where they bring in Trey White's jersey. I, I, I think that that just shows uh, the level of camaraderie that we have in that team. They, before I turn it over to you, Deshaun, or not Deshaun, but before I turn it over to you, Sean, I just want all of our official word sports viewers and subscribers to just enjoy 30 seconds of what is just defensive beauty. That, that was uh, that was a heck of a catch. 
that was just an unbelievable catch. I mean, I mean, Hyde comes out of nowhere. And when I watched that live, I, I was like, oh, my God, it's a touchdown. That just, is just defensive beauty. And that right there, that team, that desire, that hunger, one not done, all of that that you want to put in there, boys just come ready to play. All right, I'll take the hat off for this salute. I'll take the hat off for this one because that was some – I don't know what it was. That play right there, that was a rookie quarterback not looking off the safety hard enough. Some, like, like somebody's gonna go for that pump fake. Oh, and then <laughs> you, you know, I love uh, this, this is supposed to be good camaraderie, and here you come throwing shade again. Hey, <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't have no, you didn't, I didn't have, I didn't get to submit a play, I didn't get to submit no play. <laughs> You you were a little late in the submissions. Okay, so I'm just saying, you, if you want to show me a play, of a, of were you, you going to show me the first quarter? Well, I'm saying, you want to show me a play of a safety making the overhead catch because he takes the wrong angle without enough depth to get over where he need to be, so he had to make an overhead catch. Well, that's that's good, but that's again, don't let good keep you from being great. That was a good play. That was a good play. A great R- catch. That was just good. Great catch. That, on the- that was just good, is what you're saying. That was a great catch on a good play. But a coach would tell him earlier in the snap, you got to get more depth so that your angle ain't so flat. You, you, don't, you can't undercut a ball like that that's in the air because if the quarterback throws it where it needs to be. Let me tell you, what that was was breaking off, reading the play, and coming over and covering distance. That's what that was. That was beyond good. That was great. Great catch, great play. You can say what you want to say. You know, it, it I remember when Jim Rome had Jim Everett on. Oh, Lord. You know, I, I have a feeling. You're showing your years. Can I get to my three points of victory or what? I don't know if we're going to allow that, right? right? You know. you the score, 38-27. What did Jim Rome call Jim Everett? 30, you know, so, so I'm going to call Shauna. So listen, Shauna. <laughs> You know, like, I, I, all right, all right, all right. Time out, time out, time out. Because I go all Jim Rome and throw the table up. Oh, no, you ain't get Listen, you know, you can't spark that kind of energy out of me right now. I, I'm rolling, I'm, I'm calm and cool and collective because I already know what's going to happen on Sunday. And that, that's good. That's good because you're going to need to be like that in that comatose state after you look at that scoreboard and you see nothing but the victory. That's right. I don't well, see the victory. But you got to understand, the power of this victory is not with Sean and his Kansas City Chiefs, nor is it with Vince and the Buffalo Bills. It's actually with my wife because when she makes her famous cookies, will she make it in the red, red, white, and blue for the Buffalo Bills like she did last weekend in Buffalo with the butt kicking? Or will she make it in the red and gold for the Kansas City Chiefs. And however she makes those cookies is going to dictate who wins. Now, I, I had a talk with Mrs. D. And um, there, there's a certain level of expectation. And, and, and Mrs. D, if you are watching, dating back to uh, many years ago, you owe me. I have not called in that bet. You owe me. 
So if this is the time that I need to call in the debt, I am calling it in now. Stevie, get ready again. <laughs> um, I, now I'm literally red, not for the poor lighting above my head. <laughs> because of where you're going. Right? That's all I'm going to say. So, oh, God. yeah, you, you know, you got Jobber Chamberlain. What did yeah, I get out of that? <laughs> What you got, I, you got the other Mrs. D upset at you. <laughs> I did. So, I'm well, sorry, Sean. Uh, your, your, your three keys. Your, my your three keys to victory. Uh, number one is that uh, each possession obviously needs to end up uh, with a kick. That, that means you're eliminating the turnovers. So either extra point or a punt, field goal. That's the way every possession for the Chiefs need to end. Keep punting. That's like a turnover. I'll take it. Again, that you know. Again, we 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 we're dealing with we're dealing with uh, a very reactional fan on the other side of the ball. You're dealing with facts. The perfect game. Winning mindset. And winning the perfect mindset. game. You, you ain't gonna win the game in the first quarter or the second quarter. The game's gonna get won in the second half. And the, well, that, that's a good point. The last result in the third quarter. It might be a game where the last quarterback with the ball ends up leading his team to victory. That's if, if somebody's going to be honest and tell you what seventy-five percent of the ball games between these two is going to come down to the uh, whichever which, whichever team has the ball last. Um, with that said, ending each drive with the kick, either a punt or a field goal or extra point, that's one of my keys to victory. My second key to victory is to, I mean, keep keep them who they are. If they're going to run the ball with the quarterback, uh, we got to make sure that we treat them like a running back. Just because you're a quarterback running the quarterback sweep, you don't get the luxury of being protected like a quarterback. At that point, you become a running back, and you should be served and treated like one. So I think that type of mentality is going to be something you see very early in the game, early and often. So you can try to uh, survive this ball game, Josh Allen, or, or you can worry about your career. So, okay, here, here we go again. Did break out what he did? He he breaking ankles and shots. Okay, you know what? Wait, 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 wait. You remember when Josh hurdled that Kansas City Chief? It's, 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 it's done. You know, you know. I was gonna allow you to talk. Right? That was the courtesy to my house. Right? This is so I allowed you into my house to try to, to start talking about the Kansas City Chiefs, but you have nothing. Again, remember the last time we played this year. I'm not talking about last season. I'm not talking about the playoff game where we. Your jersey, nothing. I'm talking about this year. You have nothing. You will never have nothing. This team is destined. You have a defense, number one ranked defense, destined. You have an offense that now you talked about it, flipping the switch. If it's running the ball, if it's throwing the ball, if it's the offensive line controlling the offensive line of scrimmage, I want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Just remember that image of Josh doing the hurdle. Or rewind the tape from last week when Josh was just sitting there running and shaking and putting people, breaking ankles, taking people out their jocks. Don't want to hear it. You know, I came and, and I was willing to break bread with you. I was willing to extend the olive branch and let you talk. But this is when you're going to try to disrespect us on our show? Are you kidding me? This is Bill's Mafia, baby. We don't take none of that. None at all. At all. I don't want to hear about Chiefs Kingdom. None. Nothing. We coming and we're going to own 
Arrowhead. That's going to be our house. That's right. We're going to own the Midwest yeah. as well. Goodbye. Done. Right from Alicia. Wow. We already got. You got to come get it. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't uh, your quarterback don't know how to win uh, big games. Your quarterback don't know how to win uh, when it comes to this time with all the chips on the line. I'm sorry. Don't, don't be sorry. Send send that package care of that. That's all I. That's all I gotta say. I'll mail it to you. I'll ship it to you. <laughs> Stevie D, you, you, you look like you don't know what I have lost all <laughs> I had a game plan. Hey Stevie D, ask him yeah. what kind of Kleenex he like. What kind of Kleenex? You want the one with the lotion on it? Yes, with a little olive oil. Yes. Oh, yes. okay, okay. I'll make sure to send you some. Uh, it, it, it's I've lost all control, folks. I apologize. I thought I can control this podcast. Obviously, I was wrong. I don't know what I was thinking, um, but uh, uh, I just hope that it is a good game on Sunday. And uh, oh, yeah. What is the third point, Sean? I don't even think we got your third. We don't point. have to worry about it. It, we only need two keys to beat the Bills. Ooh. So, uh, with that said, um, I apologize to our, our fan that I could not control the show um, and that uh, uh, I'm hoping that it is a good game, um, that uh, we can come out of this week with, with Sean and Vince still friends. Promise and- you will have me on the show next week so I can speak about the victory. Promise me. Come on, Vince. Be a man right now. Promise your listeners you're going to have me back on the show next week. You, you know, let me be clear in my statements. Here. You, you're, you're not going to goat me into a prediction. Oh, here we go. All right. You, you, you're not going to do that. I'm a bigger man than that. I don't need to succumb to any type of bullying tactic coming from over there. But I I already told you what you are up against. I already told you what you're up against. If you want to come on the show, you're more than welcome to come on the show. But you better be careful. Because it's going to be hot in here. Isn't that what Nelly said? It's hot in here? Yeah, it's going to be hot in here, baby. It's going to get up and we're going to get rough. Vince, Vince, you are stepping out of a zone that I've never seen you like before. You're only reserved. That if you get like this, that it doesn't go well. I, I am shocked. So, am shocked. so James is saying, put it on the line. Put it on the line for uh, wings for KC barbecue. Yeah, I got a hundred dollar gift card. Q thirty nine, Vince. Well, why don't you just send a hundred dollars? I'll just take that. Steve will tell you. Steve oh, Q thirty nine, best barbecue in Kansas City. Oh, but yeah, my favorite by far. Oh, I, I, I really like Nick it. and Jake's prime rib sandwich. They still make that. Nick and Jake's prime rib sandwich. Yeah, that that's legit. Mondays you got to get yeah, yeah. prime rib sandwich. Nick and Jake's before twelve. Before twelve, you got eleven thirty, right? Because it's once it's gone, it's gone. If you need a place for for lunch on a Monday, Nick and Jake's, Sean. I know you know what, John? You and I are going one day. Nick and Jake's Monday. We're going to get the prime rib sandwich. Joe's, KC, Ships, Jack Stack Barbecue. They sh- all three of those places ship. You can look, look I think three. 239 is, is so much better than the other two. All okay. right, so we'll, we'll put it on the line. We'll, we'll, we'll do the wager. We'll, we'll get it set up. We'll do we'll it. Do. C-Note. Oh, I'm boy. with that. 
All right. Barbershop pushing P, pushing P. You don't know about that. I, I really, I, you know, I'm not big in the barbecue. So I don't really want the barbecue. Maybe you could do a donation to to uh, Oshai Hospital in honor of Josh Allen. Why don't you do that? You know, because then I think that's a more worthy donation. Okay. And, I'll, and you can do a $100 donation to the, uh, 15 in the Mahomes. Hey, I, I like that. I'm liking that. There we go. Yep. It's all for the people. Speaking, like speaking of that. Speaking of, I, I know we were going to leave. However, one of the things that we wanted to do, and, and I'm sitting there laying ab- after the perfect game, right? And, and I'm thinking, that game went perfect. The, this damn Bart Scott, right? It's just rolling through Bar- Bart Scott, right? Here goes Bart Scott flapping, flapping the gums, right? Talking about, oh, well, Josh needs to take Viagra. Because it's going to be so cold, and he needs to keep that circulation. I really wanted to send Bart Scott some Viagra after Josh Allen's game. Send him something, right? And we weren't able to put it together, obviously, for legal reasons, right? We weren't able to get, you know, cases of Viagra to send it there. But, Bart, don't sleep. If you're listening to this podcast, don't sleep. We haven't forgotten. There's something going to be coming your way. You have to figure that one out. Because, you know, that was probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But Oh, man. B. Scott is trying to be – he's trying to get a man an edge. He's trying to give him something to work for him. He's he trying to get out. That's, that's all he's trying to do, make a name for himself in, in the media. Come on, garbage. Garbage. Hey, plus, he's a jet. Oh, see, that's – so that's what it was. No, that, that no, that's more of an inside joke because Steve likes to claim every former player that comes to the Jets for one day and then goes into the Hall of Fame, they're a Jet, right? They're a Jet. Hey, when you put on that uniform, you are a Jet. If you don't go into the Hall of Fame. Then CBD wants nothing to do with you. Ah, you know, he's a raven. <laughs> he's, he's a charger. So I, 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 watch God. No, he's a raven. He's, he's a raven. So, that's a former jet. There you go. <laughs> so, Sean, thank you. Thank you for coming out. It's been, it's yeah. been a pleasure. It was a joy to have you. Uh, always, you know, chopping it up. You said that you were the glue. I don't, I, you know, maybe. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens after this one. But, uh, no, it, w- it was good to have you on and uh, to get a little bit of insight and, and to see, you know, what you thought on this this week's upcoming game. Yeah, Stevie D, that, that, that was a poor job of officiating. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you, you were like, right on par with the NFL right now, tell the truth. Well, that's true. Yeah, I was that's... just trying to show there's no difference between my officiating from the NFL, so you might as well hire me. I can't do any worse. That, that's exactly it. And, and and for me, you know, again, I again, I had fun. I'd love for us to, uh, you know, see see what happens and and to get back together and kind of chop it up again. It's all love, um, you know. At the end of the day, I I really do. Like I said in the beginning, I just want to have a good game. I don't want the officials to be part of the game. Right, stay out of it. Let these two teams just battle it out, and, and let's have some fun. So, thank you for all the interactions from everybody that, that jumped in and watched us here today. Um, you know, give us a like, give us a subscribe. Uh, you can listen to us if you if you want to enjoy some some going back and forth. You can always listen to the audio version on your favorite podcast and platform. 
check us out on YouTube and obviously here uh, on our Facebook site. So uh, we really do appreciate it. So for Sean Barber, Barbershop 59, for my co-host Stevie D, I'm Vince, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go Chiefs!